because he said to me, how old were you when this was happening? And I said, I was 12 when it ended. And he said, who do you know that's 12 years old? And I thought of my niece. And he said, do you think she thinks like an adult? Do you think she reasons like an adult? She's a little girl. You were a little girl. Welcome, ladies and gentlemen. I'm your host, Matt Brown, and you're listening to the Every L Podcast. Each episode, we'll have a different guest come on and talk about when life hands you an L, is it really a loss or is it something else? Because not every L's a loss. So sit back, relax, or do whatever you guys do to get comfortable as we get into this. Let's go. Welcome everyone to another episode of Every L Podcast, where we have different guests come on talking about their personal experiences about taboo situations or situations that's close to their heart. And they talk about how they navigated it, what support they had, what support they didn't have, how they handled it, did they lash out? What happened? Because a lot of us go through things in our life and we think they're unique to us and no one else is going through that, that we look at them and they look sparkly, clean, shiny. They're perfect. They got no blemishes whatsoever. They are Instagram posts in the flesh. And the reality is that ain't us. We got things going on. One of the biggest lie we tell ourselves or, or tell one another on a regular basis, I'm fine. Because most of the time we're not fine, but we just don't feel comfortable divulging our personal circumstances to another person. But after a while, it can manifest itself in a way that's not so healthy. So to help combat that, I try and have conversations. And I say try because not everyone's willing to come on, being completely honest with you. But I have conversations with people who are willing to come on and share their personal experiences of things that they've endured so that other people can feel less alone. It can be horrible being amongst a lot of people but being fe- but also feeling lonely so i'm grateful to each and every one of my guests and i thank them for what they share when they share it and i've just so excited to get this guest on it's been a while for me to be able to do this because certain things have got in the way of making this happen but we're here now i have an amazing individual who what she does is quite interesting because i've never come across a person well, this close, who's willing to sort of break down barriers and break down walls in this way where they see shame as something that needs to be tackled and needs to be exposed or have a light shone in it because a lot of people are sort of burdened down by it. And I'm here for that. Clearly, that's what the podcast's all about. But to have this connection with someone who's doing it, who's got so many skill sets, is just tremendous. I am not going to rob her of an introduction, so I'm going to let her do it. But I am grateful for her and for what she does. I'm interested to hear more and learn more about what she's going to be doing. But we'll get to that at the end. But everybody, I have Jill. How are you doing? I'm really good. Thank you. How are you? Ah, not as good as you look. Oh, thank you. (laughs) Too bad we're podcasting because I got camera ready today. (laughs) (laughs) Well, that's good. That's good. Do you mind introducing yourself in a way that sees fit? And I'll also ask you to describe yourself only because I'm mindful. I have some guests who are visually impaired and do not know what my guests look like. And it's just nice for them to understand. So for instance, I'll tell them I'm a tall black male. Uh, my hair looks a bit like old grown at the moment because I haven't gone to the hairdresser. Don't judge me, folks. You know, COVID was a thing. I got comfortable with that. So, yeah, 
how would you describe yourself? Well, I am not a tall black male. <laughs> <laughs> but you sound like one. I do not. <laughs> I don't even. Um, I, well, okay, so I'll start with the description. I am five, three and a half. And yes, I own the half because when you're little, you want the half. So I'm five, three and a half. And I have auburn hair. I have green eyes. And I am, I live in San Diego, California, and I am blessed every day of my life that I get to do what I get to do. Nice. And what is it that you do? I um, have, I do lots of things, actually. I am, I'm a serial entrepreneur. So I have one of those minds that doesn't stop. You do not want to be inside my head. And I have four businesses right now. And I'm very lucky that I get to do what I love every single day. All of the things that I have in my life in the way of income producing activities, I love. And one of them, I've had an event company for 23 years and I broker restaurants and caterers to facilitate breakfast and lunch orders going into corporate offices and things like that. And I love, love, love that business. And then I, I'm in the wine industry. I have a wine business. And so, hey, <laughs> that is sexy and fun. <clears throat> and then I do vacation rentals. And the newest thing is my book. And I've just written a book. It's called Liberated, Liberated, Releasing the Dark Cloud of Shame. And my new exciting venture in life is just really to share my story, get on stages, whatever way that I could get my message across and create massive track traction with this movement. So whoever hears my story and wants to get behind what I'm doing, like I'm really excited about stepping into that. So that is a little bit about me. Happy days, happy days. Well, wish you every bit of success with all your endeavors. So for the L you decide you wish to talk about, you simply put liberated. Now I know from, well, obviously when we've had a chat and what I've seen of you out and about, I have a feeling I might know what you're talking about. But rather than rob you of the opportunity to share, please go back to where you feel it's appropriate to start and tell me how the word liberated is the thing you want to talk about. Yeah. Okay. I have to set the stage first because the conversation that you and I are about to have is not a conversation that people are having. And it's important to me that people are safe and protected. And, you know, it can be a very triggering conversation. So if at any point you hear what I'm talking about and you have a memory or you are triggered and you're like, oh my God, that's my story and it's something that I have to face, I need for your listeners to know that there's support out there. There's organizations that you can anonymously contact like RAIN, R-A-I-N-N, to be able to be safe and talk to somebody and, and, you know, be just protect themselves. So that being said, I was molested when I was around three or four years old. And I'm so grateful for the Me Too movement because I feel like people are able to talk about sexual trauma way more easily now than they were, you know, five, 10 years ago. And so you know, if that, if that's your story, I'm sorry that that happened to you, but my story goes deeper in that I, because of what somebody taught me to do, I was the little girl who was innocently and curiously experimenting sexually with other children. And I was, ex- I, it was, I was in between the ages of seven and 12 when that was happening. And 
I lived with debilitating shame for 41 years, thinking that I was the only little girl who ever did anything like that. And as I've stepped in and surrendered to, you know, stepping into my purpose, and the more that I share my story, the more that I know and hear people say, me too, that they also were children that acted out. And it's just way more common than anybody can imagine, and nobody's talking about it. So the liberated part of the story is I've done a lot of work. I've done a lot of, I've done therapy. I've done transformational work. I've done a lot of things to really forgive myself and love myself. And the book is called Liberated, Releasing the Dark Cloud of Shame, because after doing all that healing, like now I have this blank canvas of a beautiful life that I get to create. And I really want people to understand that, you know, getting it out of your body and saying it out loud and talking to somebody and sharing the story, the other side is magic. Like it is so beautiful on the other side of healing. So that's a little bit about why you and I are here today. Yeah, that sounds, sounds a lot. It sounds a lot to sort of wrap your head around to think how, why, when. And I guess, obviously, these are questions I want, I would like for you to answer if possible, because I don't want to then answer for you. It's a case of, is it appropriate to ask those questions? And then is there a safe space for you to then answer those questions or to say what's in your mind? So when is it that you became aware that you were molested because I'm sure at a certain point in time it was just it was just a norm you didn't know any different but eventually you realize hang about this 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 isn't what everyone does no oh, oh okay I don't know if I definitively remember when I first was like wait a minute that's not right I knew from a very young age about sex and little children do not know sex they know you know, the things that we teach them about their private parts and all of that. And playing doctors, one thing, but for a child to know how to have sex, I knew how to have sex. And I think, so this is a vulnerable share. It's hard for me to share this, but it's in the book. So I get to talk about it anyway. I was caught by an adult when I was 12 years old, acting out in a closet with another child. And the adults that were there, one of them said, little kids go to hell who do that. And I do not blame the adults at all. Like there was no training manual to know how to react to what was happening on the other side of that closet door. Nobody was having these conversations, you know, 41 years ago. Actually, now it's longer than that. Um, like 45 years ago, nobody was having those conversations. So you know, how would you react to something like that happening if you were the adult that that came across that? But that really was where my shame started. That was the moment when all of a sudden my life changed. There's two different types of shame. There's toxic shame and then there's shame. This is toxic shame. This is shame that really gets deep into your soul and is hard to get rid of. And so I don't, I don't know exactly when, I think I was a little bit older when I was like, wait a minute, why did I know those things? How could I have known those things? But I don't have a definitive answer as to when that actually happened. But I do definitively know when the first day that I felt toxic shame. 
it's a, it's a shame that you had to experience that at any ages, to be honest, but to be young and to be, I guess, somewhat caught in, in the act of something that an adult would have to make a decision. Like what, how do you, like you said, how do you deal with that? What do you say? What does that conversation look like? And all of a sudden you're thinking, I'm prepared for a lot of things. This was not in the training manual. This, this definitely was not there. What do I do? But at the same time, you have to think this is a very serious thing. And, you know, just because you caught it now, how long has it been going on for? Like there's more questions that arises from it. Yeah. For you, do you feel that you handled the toxic shame in a healthy or unhealthy way? <laughs> Sorry. I don't know that there's any healthy way to originally handle the toxic shame. You know, it's been a very long road for me, which is why I wrote the book and why I'm speaking out because I want to collapse time for people. I don't want people to have to go 41 years living with the kind of shame that I lived with, you know? So, you know, I areas that it showed up in my life, I, I was not connecting with men. That was one of the first indicators for me that something was wrong. And like a man would walk in the room and I would and, and look at me and I would look down. I never wanted a man to see inside my soul because I thought, oh my God, if this man sees what I've done, how could he love me? Now, after all the work that I've done, I'm like, oh my God, how can he not love me? Like, I'm amazing. You know, I've done all this work. I've healed and all the things. But that was one of the first indicators to me that, that, I was acting out from the trauma. Another way that I acted out was I had an eating disorder until I was 41 years old. I was bulimic, which was the second time that I chose to go to therapy because I'm like, if you don't get a handle on this, you're going to die. You know, I've experimented with drugs, with alcohol. I've been promiscuous in ways that, you know, didn't make me feel worthy and loved. So those were some of the things that I did. And self-worth and success in my businesses. I think somebody looking at me from the outside would think, oh, she's she's successful. But I have been stifled in my businesses and haven't been able to scale to the level that I've wanted to scale because of, of self-worth, not feeling like I deserved it. So those are some of the ways that it, it has manifested for me over the years. Wow. Not healthy. <laughs> not yeah. healthy. Way. Yeah. It sounds it. Did it impact your relationships growing up with just peers and, you know, potentially trying to have friends? No, I, to this day, have a lot of friends. I'm very, very blessed. And I have friends that are like one of my best friends is, is a guy. So the, the, where I was breaking down in relationships was when it came to romantic relationships and a relationship that I truly needed to be vulnerable and intimate, not sexually intimate, but intimate, you know, yeah. with is where I've had the breakdown in, in my life. And I'm now I'm healthy and I'm excited. I'm, I'm calling in the love of my life right now. So, um, and I'm honestly, I'm actually grateful that. I didn't find somebody to be in relationship with prior to this because I think that my picker was off and I think that I would have chosen poorly and I think that I probably would be divorced now. And so now that I'm healthy and now that I know what I deserve, I'm looking for a completely different person than what I would have been looking for when I was in pain and hurt. And that makes sense because... 
really, really light-hearted comparison, but not meant to be. But when you go shopping, you're hungry. You're not buying what you should be buying. Yeah. You're just buying for the here and now rather yeah. than what is good for you. Let's go get a healthy option. Yes, it's going to require some cooking, some prep work and whatever else, but that's better for you. And the best, only way you can do it is really if you've eaten prior to it and you're in a clear state of mind where you're not going by something. Yeah. Here and now. yeah. I love that you're, I love that you're making it light though. Like this is such a heavy topic that I am trying to bring light and fun as much as possible to the conversation, yeah. <laughs> you know, and it's a weird thing to say, but I love that you're kind of making it a, a lighter conversation because it helps and it diffuses it a little bit more than just being in this dark, oppressive conversation around all of it. Cause it's, it's hard when you're in it, you know? And I think, I think it's just, I've just, somehow condition myself to be that way because I understand a lot of people I myself has experienced it where you're in a dark place but sometimes you just need to be able to look around see something and just see correlation between that and the situation that you're in or you've witnessed or potentially will fall into and go it's not that dissimilar yeah a little thing might need to be tweaked but that is there because a lot of us I think I think something that a lot of us do which is detrimental to us and it's because we don't talk about it maybe because of shame maybe because of pride maybe because of a number of things we try to do everything in one goal in one space rather than set aside different areas to try and manage situations so for instance from what you've told me you went therapy from you going therapy that's not you trying to just deal with it on your own and just tackling it it was a matter of right i need to outsource help here because I cannot do this on my own. There might be other times where like, you're a very friendly person. You have, you have friends around you because you understand that there's value in having friendship because you need to have that part of you. Yeah, we can make ourselves laugh and giggle ourselves from watching TV or whatever else, but sometimes you need to share that with other individuals. And that for me is important that people are aware that there's no shame in asking for help. There's no shame in leaning on people. But when someone like you and my other guests who are sharing their truths, sharing their intimate stories about what they've endured. There's possibly someone listening, thinking I cannot ask anyone for help because if I do, they're going to look at me like I deserve to be out on the street or they stepped in something and that's me. And they are going to disassociate from me. Hopefully that's not the case, but that's why, like I said, you guys sharing these stories are so important and, you know, to make it more personal to you, you sharing your truth. Yes, you shared it in other formats, but you sharing it right here and now is important because hopefully someone is listening, whether it's them that's gone through it and maybe I'll never know, or it's someone they know that has endured something or can hear the similarities between what you've, what your behaviors was and going, okay, didn't think that was an option, but potentially, hopefully they're wrong. Let's just say if it's not, at least we've at least they've got a chance to talk to someone about it and see how to potentially approach the situation. A question I'll ask you, if you don't mind, is growing up, did your parents get made aware of this? Um, I want to sideswipe for two seconds because I want to touch on something that's really, really important when you're talking about asking for help. Sure. And then I'll 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 answer I'll answer this. <clears throat> One thing that I've held me back for so long for, for 
talking about it was the shame that is surrounded by all of this and thinking that I was the only person who ever did anything like this. And so when I first went to therapy, I, and I imagine there are people listening right now that have my story and they just have this pit in their stomach that is like, it's the worst feeling. And they're thinking, how can I tell somebody this? They're going to think I'm a monster. They're going to think I'm a pedophile because that's what I thought of myself when I was a little girl. You know, at 12 years old, I was thinking I was a monster and a pedophile. And so the one thing that I need for your listeners to know who are dealing with something like this, every time that I've shared my story and I've had that feeling of, oh my God, how are they going to, how are they going to perceive me now? What are they going to think of me? The level of love and kindness and understanding and compassion that was on the other side of me sharing my story to this day is just unbelievable to me. And it has happened over and over and over again as I've shared my story. So I want whoever's listening right now and whoever is just in that place of, oh my God, how can I, how can I tell somebody? I promise you what you have made up around the fear of that is not real. So please go talk to somebody. Say it out loud. Even if you're just writing it in a journal or saying it in the mirror or whatever, screaming it in a pillow, get it out of your body and then find somebody that you can talk to. And I've also found that a group setting for me was way faster healing than just doing a one-on-one. I think there's obviously therapy is important. But I found that when I was able to do this with other people who had similar stories, my healing was way faster because there finally was something to me to compare it to. It was finally like, oh my God, there's somebody else like me. When you're in therapy and you're talking about it, you're like, oh, this person is saying it's not uncommon, but how how do I know that? You know, but when you're in a group setting and other people are sharing similar stories, it's like, wow, okay, I'm not alone. I'm not the only one who ever did this. So the question, when I was growing up, did my parents know? When I was growing up, it was not a conversation. I, you know, I was not talking about it to anybody until I was 33 years old. My parents are a hundred percent behind what I'm doing now. I shared all of this with them about six years ago, and they have been just unbelievable. Like the level of love and understanding and support has been really, really really beautiful. But as a child, no, I wasn't talking about it. Not to anybody. Do you think they may have known? Because the reason I asked the question is because there are things that I believe my mom didn't know about. Me as an adult now, looking back, going, how could she not know? It was so obvious because my mom grew up doing things that I probably did. Maybe not the same things because different times or whatever else. But I'm just saying, do you think they'll tell, tell signs, but your parents were that much in love with you and supportive of you as a person, not based on your behaviors, just you as the person, if they were supportive of you knowing that you're going to come through this. I'm sorry. I got confused with your question. Say that again. Sorry. Do you, <laughs> um, no, it's fine. Do, do you feel that your parents may have known aspects of what was going on, but because they loved you as a person, 
more so than your behaviours, they were willing to support you by going, do you know what, giving you the benefit of the doubt? That that question is odd to me, only because if it's I, I'm not I'm not wrapping my mind around it the way that I think that you want me to. So when you say the benefit of the doubt, I feel like that means that I was out drinking or stealing or things like that, which I was drinking. But that's not. I know that they did not know when I was abused because we've had this conversation, and my mom has said, "How could I not know?" You know, how could I not know? We knew where you were all the time. And unfortunately, most cases are somebody that's very, very, very close to the child. So, you know, you drop them off at an uncle's house or a grandparent's house. The last thing that you're thinking is that they're going to hurt your baby. But unfortunately, in most cases, it is somebody that's very close to the child. So I, I know that they did not know that something had happened to me when I was little. Yeah. Does that answer your question? It did. It did. Okay. But I, I think, I, I, I don't know. Obviously, there's a lot of differences because I've never personally experienced anything like that. So it's very new to me to sort of ask questions to make sure I'm being mindful of the situation because I'm always mindful that when we have these conversations, you're having to relive certain aspects of your life. And I'm not a therapist. I don't have the ability to heal you or to fix this situation or to when the conversation said and done sort of sit with you and just either be in a room with you or console you in any which way I can. And I don't want to be disrespectful. I don't well, want to be... I told you before, if if there's a question that I don't want to answer, I'm just going to say, you know what, I'm going to pass on that. So you can ask me whatever you want. And I don't feel like you're being disrespectful. It's important for people to have answers to these questions because nobody's talking about this stuff. So you're not being intrusive at all. I'm not, I'm not taken aback by anything that you're asking me. So go for it. No, I appreciate it. Yeah. So I really, I really like the fact that you're at a stage now. Yes, it's years gone by since but I'm still happy that you're able to live in your truth and have your parents with you on that journey. And I think a lot of people may fear that that would never be the case. Mm -hmm. They would never be able to tell them. How did it feel when you finally spoke to your parents about it? Yeah, that was another one of those situations where, you know, you have that pit in your stomach and you're like, how do I get to have this conversation? There were some other things happening that were, there was some other turmoil going on in my life that kind of brought me to my knees. And so me sharing this with them was necessary for me to do at the time, which now looking back, it's interesting because I haven't ever had this thought before. I'm now grateful that that situation happened because it gave me an opportunity to share with my family, with my parents and tell them everything. And my, I'm, I'm blessed. Like my, my parents are like gifts from God. Like I truly have special, special parents. And I wish everyone could say that because I know that there's lots of people out there that they have quite the opposite to say. And that makes me really sad. I, I adopt my parents out all the time. <laughs> I'm like, you can, my parents, I, that is a true thing. My parents have adopted one of my girlfriends because her, both of her parents passed away. So I, them out all the time. And everybody, when they talk about my mom and dad, they're like, oh my God, you have the best parents in the whole wide world. I do. Are they a pain sometimes? Of course. Like we all, we're normal. We're a normal family. We have, we have things that, you know, come up, but 
it's it's a true blessing to have them. My whole family is is behind all of this. You know, I have several siblings, and everybody's in the know. Everybody knows everything, so it's it's really it makes what I'm doing easier in knowing that I have that support. Yeah, well, sorry to hear about your friends passing other parents. When you was at one of your lowest points, what did you think telling your parents would have looked like? Because I'm very mindful that how we think things are going to be versus what they're actually going to be are oftentimes very different. I knew how they would react. I knew that no matter what I said to them, they were going to be 100% supportive and loving and kind and of course, it was a very hard conversation. And as any parent would do, they blame themselves. Like, how could how could this have happened? And my mom and I are, you know, because the book just came out, we're having a lot of those conversations over again because it's fresh and it's raw and it's out there right now. But they, I, I knew no matter what that they would be supportive. I never had a, a doubt in my mind that it was going to be it was uncomfortable. I mean, it's not fun to have these kind of conversations, but I knew that they would be supportive. That's really good because like you said, you're blessed. You have these parents like that. And unfortunately, and I think we're well aware, there's many people, unfortunately, that unable, maybe they don't have both parents. Maybe they only have one parent. Maybe they don't have any parents. They just have guardians. Maybe they're terrible. Yeah. (laughs) Like there's a lot of terrible people out there. Yeah. They might tell their parents and they don't care. Yeah. You know, they don't even bat an eyelid and this person's then having to live with that, finally get the courage to then talk about it and it gets dismissed. But you didn't have that, which is, which I'm grateful for you. And I'm so happy and love to mom and dad who are willing to just sort of love on you and just give you the support that you require and you deserve. Thank you. When did you start therapy? I started when I was 33 years old. I'm 55 now. I started when I was 33. And I also did Landmark Education in conjunction with therapy. Do you know Landmark Education? Have you heard of Landmark? I have no idea. Please educate me. Yeah, it's a transformational workshop and it's international. It's been around for a very long time. And I went into Landmark thinking that I was going to be inspired with my businesses and really, you know, get some insight into how to grow my business and... (laughs) Boy, was it a different experience. You know, I really got to, it's, it's those types of programs and I've done several of them and they've been pivotal in me and my healing, but those types of programs are really about, you know, when you're pointing your finger at somebody else, you got three pointing back at yourself Yep. and it's about taking responsibility for your life. And I'm not talking about taking responsibility for what happened to you or who did it to you or all those things, because forgiveness is really, really important in your healing. And you're not forgiving the person for them. You're forgiving the person for yourself so that you can let go of of all of that. But with Landmark Education, I got to really see for the first time it was really doing some work around this. And remember how I said earlier that group settings, I feel like the healing is faster in a group setting than it is if you are just in therapy. So I was doing landmark at the same time that I was doing my therapy and it sped up my therapy by like a thousand times. So that was, that was a real blessing. And I think I did therapy for about three or four years with that therapist. And then I was fixed. (laughs) Um, (laughs) And then, you know, 
I still was had difficulty with men, still not connecting with men. And then at 41, I was like, I'm still bulimic at 41. You know, I'm still binging and purging. And I, I was like, okay, you need to get a handle on this or you're going to die. And that's when I went to therapy for the second time. And I, w- I saw a different therapist and he was a blessing to me because it was the first time I ever had any sort of relief around how I'd acted out as a child. Because he said to me, how old were you when this was happening? And I said, I was 12 when it ended. And he said, who do you know that's 12 years old? And I thought of my niece. And he said, do you think she thinks like an adult? Do you think she reasons like an adult? She's a little girl. You were a little girl. And it was just like this explosion in my mind of, you know, it was the first time that I was like, oh my God, I was a little girl. I wasn't, I'm not a monster. I'm not a pedophile. You know, I, I was acting out because of what somebody else taught me to do. And kids will do what somebody teaches you to do and then pair it with the fact that it feels good, you know? So that was the second time that I went to therapy. And then just the last like three and a half years, I've been involved in this organization called HeartCore. And I joined the community for business coaching. Shanda Sumter is the owner of the company. I joined for business coaching. And through that program, they everybody who had done it, they're like, you have to do leadership. You have to do leadership. You have to do leadership. I'm like, okay, I'll do leadership. And I remember the first day stepping into that. And I'm so grateful. It was, we did Zoom because this was during COVID. And for me, I felt I was, it was way easier for me to open up and be vulnerable on Zoom than standing in front of a hundred people in a room. And I cried all day the first day in that, in that workshop because I knew that I was here to finally deal with it and finally look at it and finally let it go. And I got self-love out of that. I got forgiveness, self-forgiveness out of that. I figured out what my purpose in life is out of that. It truly is incredible transformation. And I think everybody should do it, whether or not you have a, a secret. Everybody has a secret, but the program is just incredible for how you manage day-to-day life, how you manage your business, how you deal with relationships. It's just an incredible program to do. But for me, it really was life-changing because I had been praying for my purpose for a very, very, very long time. I had businesses that I loved, but none of them were filling my cup. None of them were making me feel like, oh my God, this is what I'm here for. And then God said, okay, well, you get to share your story. And I was like, oh, hell no. (laughs) (laughs) No, that ain't happening. And, you know, it took a little while, but he softened my heart. And there's been some obstacles throughout this process the last year and a half. And there've been some big obstacles, in fact. And I said, "If if this is what you want, you get to figure out the hard stuff. I'm going to put one foot in front of the other and I'm going to continue to move this project forward. But any of this hard stuff, you figure it out. One of them was I was told that I would be registered as a sex offender and that I could be charged as a felon. This is as a 12 year old little girl. And so I'm like, God, I am not going to jail for you. Sorry. You know, drop the mic. I'm out. Wow. And so that's when I was like, you know what? If you want this, you figure it out. And 
it's miracle after miracle has happened and the the path has been cleared and you know it's just been really beautiful my word for the year is surrender for sure like every time some obstacle comes up i'm like all right you figure it out and and god keeps figuring it out so and now we're here wow that's incredible so can I ask, why was it in, when you was 33, you decided to go therapy and not earlier? That's a good question. So that's about the time that I started my business. And I think, you know, they say you're like the five people that you hang around with. The The women that I was surrounded by were extremely professional women. They were put together. They were goals and, you know, all those things. And I think that it was, I've never even thought about this question. So this is really good. I think that was the first time that I was like, wait a minute, something's not right here, you know, because I was surrounded by people that were thriving and, and getting help. My first therapist was referred to me by a friend of mine who was seeing him. Okay. So I think that's, that's probably a really good part of why is because I was around these people who loved me and supported me and I saw that there could be a different way. That's encouraging. Yeah. Do you think now looking back that your teens and your twenties would have been different if you'd gone to therapy earlier? Oh, absolutely. Absolutely. But I don't, I don't have any regrets. You know, everything happens for a reason. This, my life unfolded exactly the way that it was supposed to. And now I, and people might think, why is she saying that? But now I, it's a gift. Like I see my life as a gift. Everything that has happened to me, the molestation, me acting out, me getting caught, you know, me living with shame for as long as I live with shame, the bulimia, the relationships, the abundance issues, that has all been perfectly planned out because now I get to stand here with you and I get to share my story and I get to create hope for people who have lived in this, however long they've lived in it. Like I get to help set people free from their shame. So I'm standing here now like, whoa, this is amazing. You know? So I don't, I don't wish that it happened any different way. Would it have most likely? Yes. But I don't wish it to be any different. Fair enough. And you, you said a key word there and it's hope. I can't remember when or who I was talking to, if anybody, it could have been myself. I often have conversation myself. And it was a matter of that's what this podcast for me is all about. It's about hope. Hope for people to know that where they are right now is not where they're going to reside forever and a day. There's hope that they will be able to get out of this situation, be a different person, maybe grow, learn, evolve from a situation. If you have to reset and start again, because let's say a business was created, it failed and you start again, you're not starting from zero, you're starting from experience. And that's something a lot of people beat themselves up for because we look at people, like I said, at the top of the show, we look at people and think they're Instagram ready and that's how they are and there's no flaws with them. And the reality is that's a lie. We've all got our own secrets. We've all got our own things that we're concerned about. I asked a question about therapy because I'm an advocate for therapy. I've had therapy multiple times and that's because I went through depression, a very deep depression about a decade ago now. And it wasn't for a good core group of people, including my wife and therapy to help me come through this because they don't, they didn't tell me 
what to do or what the answers was. They helped give me questions that I had to then answer, but I can only answer by looking deep within. And then I had to put certain things in place. If people may not want to talk about CBT or cognitive behavioral therapy, and that helped me, it wasn't necessarily a fast burner, but I wouldn't have it any other way because you hear so many times people win the lottery and just as fast as they get the lottery money, they're back at their old job again or somewhere else. But if someone's taking their time to accumulate their wealth, they're slow to spend it because they know how hard they work for that money. Other people come in and say, oh, look at that car you got. Oh, look at that house you got. But it's like, you have no idea how much blood, sweat and tears got into every single day of accumulating this wealth. And even when I went to pull the trigger to buy it, I promise you, I probably went back and forth for two weeks before I splurged on it. I'm still fretting to think if you've made the right decision. But everyone else looks at it and goes, oh, I want to be you. You, you're not willing to do what I did to be where I am. But I will share with you what needs to be shared. And if you think it's for you, fine, drink from that, that cup if you want to. But if you're not, pass. Yeah, I love that. Yeah. I, I would love to know. I would love to tell you. <laughs> I like the wit. If you were to go back in time to whatever you deem the lowest point of that stint where you was going through it all, what age would you be? And what would you say to yourself to help push through and not to give up on yourself? You're going to make me think. Yeah. Well, you know, all the work that I've done, all the, because I've done some deep work and it has you know, it's like I said, it's beautiful on the other side. So I agree with you about therapy too. Like it's priceless. I think one of the things that I just recently uncovered was that I was blaming three or four-year-old Jill for actually getting molested. I was blaming her for not getting out of that situation. And so now, you know, I would, I would, take better care of just really loving on her and telling her everything's okay. And yeah, I would, I would go back to, to her because that's where it all stemmed from. You know, that's where everything stemmed from the acting out and then the toxic shame and all the things were from that, that one incident. I don't know if it was one, I think it probably was more than once. I don't know. So that was you blaming her, but was there a time growing up where things weren't particularly great for you mentally, emotionally, however it is, and you just weren't happy. Is there a time where you felt that if I could go back there and sort of talk to my younger self just to say, you know what, it it does get better. It you know, trust me, if you could see me now, <laughs> you'll be smiling. Where, you know, is there a time, do you think? It doesn't necessarily have to be the answer case because many people may not have thought about it. Many people may think, do you know what? I'm put a blanket over it. I'm happy just is as a journey was. Yeah. Well, I think considering everything, I've had a pretty great life. You know, I have lots of friends. I've done a lot of really, really cool things in my lifetime. I live in one of the most beautiful cities in the world. I have a beautiful home, you know. And I think that it's been a pretty steady ride, you know, I don't, there hasn't been any like 
outside of living with my shame cloud that's been over my head for 41 years, you know, this oppressive feeling of shame. But outside of that, my life has been pretty even keel. There hasn't been any like one incident that happened where it was like the lowest of the low. I mean, I've always wanted love in my life, but that's been a constant, you know, I've always wanted, I've always known, like, I'm interested to know how many of your, of of the people listening will resonate with this. And I heard this from Shanda Sumter, my business coach. And she said, some people just have a knowing. You have a knowing that you are going to make a lot of money that you're going to touch a lot of lives, that you're going to be very successful. And I've had that knowing since I was a very little girl. I was probably like eight, eight or nine, when I would see myself with the ocean view office and this beautiful glass desk and all these people running around working for me and creating magic in the world. So I don't know that there's been one particular instance where I've been like, okay, I need to go back and and clean that up with her. Because my life's been pretty pretty good outside of the debilitating shame that I've lived with for 41 years. You know, it sounds counterintuitive, I guess. It's like, well, why did you even write a book if you weren't that bad off? But it has affected me in a lot of ways. You know, it is, it is, it has affected me in a lot of ways. And I don't know. I, I'm sorry. I just don't really have a good answer for you there. No, it, it's, it's as you see fit. I'm not here to coach you through it and tell you what to say, because this is your truth and I'm happy for it. With the debilitated shame, do you think that was visible for other people to see? No. And I've had people tell me that. I've had two people two people specifically said to me, Wow. Like I, I have a friend, her and I were really, really close when I lived in another city in California. And she just recently heard about my story, you know, and she she called me and she's like, How could I not have known? How could I not have known the pain that you were in? We get really good at covering it up. And my other friend said, you're always the bubbly one. You know, you walk in a room and everybody knows you're there and you're gregarious and fun and all the things. And it's like, how, how could you have been in so much pain? I'm like acting, (laughs) you know? So after you walk into a room, light it up, everyone's feeding off your energy that you're providing. How did that leave you feeling once the room was cleared and you was left by yourself? That's when the shame cloud really became clear. And I call it my shame cloud because it really, for 41 years, I really, you know, Pigpen from, from Snoopy, you know, Pigpen, he's got the dirt swirling around him. Yeah. That's what my, my dark cloud was. It literally was there all the time. I would go to bed. It was there. I would wake up. It was there. And it was just this overwhelming shame all the time. So when I was in situations where I was in a room and I was, you know, the life of the party, having fun, all the things, the cloud wasn't there. It was there, but it wasn't there. When I was alone with my own thoughts, that's when the cloud would really be looming. It feels that, or sounds like, sorry, when it's just you and your thoughts and you was alone, your thoughts were potentially being able to feed it because you was giving it attention when you had other people to entertain, let's say, 
you wasn't paying it enough attention for it to be a concern for you. Yeah. Because I was getting the attention. Correct. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Was that cloud there when you was with other people that you've been say intimate with or did you, or was that still a matter of I'm not paying it any attention. So it's not there. It was only when everything was said and done. It's, it's when I'm alone with my thoughts. Yeah. And that only stopped when you started going therapy. No, it didn't stop at all. when I was going to therapy, (laughs) it stopped when I turned 52 and I finally forgave myself. And I finally learned to love myself. That's when the cloud went away. And I still look for it sometimes. It's crazy. You live with something for 41 years, you know, Exactly. like having an extra limb. And so I look for that cloud now and it's gone. And it is the most beautiful feeling. I it's indescribable. It's light. It's fun. It's like that, that cloud was so oppressive and just. Weight, it was like having a hundred pound weight on my back all the time. And now I'm just like, you know, dancing around and free and just, I, the, the level of hope that I have now for what I get to create in my life, what I get to call in, I'm really into manifesting. So what I get to call into my life now is just beautiful. So I just want people to know that, you know, Whatever your secret is, get it out because life on the other side of healing from that is the most beautiful thing to experience. Like there's nothing like it. Yeah. It sounds like, and you did use a very good term when you said that, it's like weights on your shoulder you've taken off and stuff like that. I was also liking it to wearing sunglasses all the time for mm-hmm. 40 odd years and then one day you're able to take those glasses off and you're squinting because you're thinking oh my gosh it's so bright it's so bright look at the future look yeah. what i could obtain I, for all the time i thought everything was dim and that's why i wasn't happy but there's a lot to be happy about right now yeah and i'm happy for you for that thank you that is spectacular thank you i want this for everybody Everybody deserves to be this happy. I, um, when I was just surrendering to stepping into this, I was listening to a podcast, Amanda Francis. I don't know if you know who she is. She's a manifesting influencer and she wrote a book called Riches F. And, uh, she, her podcasts, and, and I don't know who in your community believes in God or what you believe in, but I believe in God. And so I talk about God a lot in my book. And it says that everything, every desire on your heart was given to you by God. Like, let that sink in for a second. Like, what, what do you really want? Like, what are some things that you really, really want? You actually get to have those things. And it's your only job every single day to feel what it feels like to have those things, to reiterate that you get to have those things. And so, you know, on the other side of healing and forgiveness and all that, like, I am blissfully excited about all those things that I get to call in now because everybody gets to have this level of happiness. Everybody deserves to have the things in the life in their life that they love and that they desire. It's really beautiful. Yeah, it sounds like it. And that is a hope. That is a hope through these conversations that people feel less alone. I've come across some incredible individuals. I've been exposed to a lot of different stories 
And to be fun fact, I didn't know anything about agoraphobia. Spoke to one guy up in Canada. And then today I'm set with someone telling me they've got agoraphobia. And it's like, I know what you're talking about (laughs) because I had a long conversation. And it just meant that my approach to the individual was a lot more tailored to their situation because I was more aware of it. And that's what I would love for people to be able to gain from these conversations by if this alters their behavior around individuals who potentially may have gone through what you've gone through, then so be it rather than just making jokes in quotation marks that they think is funny, but it's like, are you really reading the room? Are you reading the signs? And there are ways that you can potentially have a joke with that person at some point, but you need to do the work beforehand because that person is a shell of themselves because they have a dark cloud over their heads and you probably can see it, but you're kind of ignoring it. They can't ignore it because once they leave your presence and they're by themselves, they're having to deal with that. And it's not a good look. It can be draining. It can be, because if it's, because my depression, I would say was debilitated because I didn't leave my bed. But again, not making a comparison. That's just, that's, you know, my truth. And it was just draining. It was, I was just numb. I was numb to everything. Everything seemed black and white. It was just, meh is the best word I could eloquently try and use to express it. I didn't have any desire for anything. And I had to train myself out of that because I would say I'm fine, but what I say, I can make my voice sound like I'm fine, but my face, my body language was not reflecting that. So I had to work on that. And eventually I became the person I wanted to become. And similar to that with this podcast, I become the person I'm thinking, I don't remember hearing anything or seeing anything where someone doesn't tell me what I should be doing. I'd rather listen to someone's story and I pick from it what I want to pick from it because I know, okay, cool, they've gone through whatever, here's where they come out. I appreciate that. And that's what I want to do for the other people so that if anyone goes through or going through stuff, then they can hear something like you and you can share from your lived experience what you've gone through, the shame you felt, the anguish you may have gone through, the way you've acted out, the way you just dealt with the situation as a whole, how eventually you spoke to your parents, even though you knew what they were going to do, it wasn't guaranteed they were going to do that until they did it. And even that was a tough conversation. As a grown woman, you're still having the, oh, mum, dad, please sit down. Guess what? <laughs> <laughs> and a lot of people are probably having conversations where they think it's too late because, like the conversation happened with themselves, it's too late because I should have said this then. But in my head, as long as you're drawing breath, you've got an opportunity to try again. And you are a testament to that. And I love what, what's gone through your life in the sense of I'm not necessarily happy about what's happened because I wouldn't wish that on anybody, but I'm happy that you're able to receive what you feel was meant for you from that situation. But not to rob you of the opportunity to tell me, because I know you said that liberated is the title of what you've gone through. I asked the question, if that wasn't a loss in your life, because in binary terms, it's either a win or a loss when you go through a situation that would have been a loss because you're thinking nobody wants that. If that wasn't a loss, what are you going to call that? Well, like I said, now I, I think of it as a gift. Like, you know, now it gets to be a win. If you want me to use the W word. <laughs> no, right? I like that. Yeah. Because- now, now it, it it's a, it's a gift now because I've done the work to heal and I've done the work to um, get past all that. 
And now I hope that my words will touch somebody else and give them hope to know that they too can get past whatever pain they're in. You know, that's my only hope. And I think that's amazing. A gift, because I know you used that before, but different people have different ways of how they perceive their struggles when they look back at it in hindsight. And if it's a gift, it's a gift. Hopefully it's been well received. May not have liked the wrapping paper it came in, but you know, you're here with it. You're you're no longer ashamed by it, I'd like to think. And you're here to help other people shine light on their situation, to live free from their shame, be liberated from their shame and no longer have the clouds hanging over their heads. What I'll do before we conclude, if I could ask you for the next two minutes to promote anything and everything you've got going on where people can connect with you, go for it. Thank you. So people can find me at jilleschultz.com. That's my website. And will you have the show notes and stuff? Will there be my yeah. to my things? Okay. So jilleschultz.com. And on my website, there's lots of different things. There's support. There's resources. There's um, you can you can find my book there. I'd love it if you wanted if you know somebody that can use the book, please, please send them the book because that book is really intended to help set people free and let them know that they're not alone. And honestly, I'd rather do an ask if I could. Go for it. Um, you know, it's really just my vision and my dream and my hope to share my story in as many places as I can. So if, and it only takes one person, right? Just one person hearing this story that may know somebody that has a, another podcast or that books speakers on stages or things like that. Like I'm really just looking for opportunities to spread my, my experience and my story to help other people. So if, you know, anybody that's listening right now knows anybody who knows anybody who knows anybody, I would love for you to connect with me on my website. And, and share that with me. Absolutely fine. And the thing is, most people might think, why would you let someone do that for? And the reality is that I know I'm not in competition with anybody else. It does not hurt me in any way, shape or form if other people are hearing the same stories from different sources because my, my audience is my audience. I cater to a certain demographic of people. It may grow, it may not, who knows. But the more people that have the opportunity to hear your stories, my other guest stories. It's only going to help more people feel less alone. I am absolutely fine with me not being the number one, whatever, because it's not about me. It's never been about me. It's about who I can serve and how I can serve. And I'm happy to do that. So yes, please, people, if you know someone that you feel that she could jump on, share her story and help shine more of that light on topics that need to be spoken about, please go and reach out to her and let her know and let them know how great she is because I've enjoyed the conversation. It has stumped me at times just because of the nature of the situation. And I feel that potentially if we knew each other a little bit more, we could have got into more nitty gritty stuff, but it is what it is. And I'm absolutely fine because it is a topic that I'm not completely aware of, but I'm aware that it is a thing that goes on amongst people and many people wouldn't want to talk about it. And it's embarrassing to know that, we know we all are living in shame, but are not willing to talk about it. I know from my culture, there's many things that we have to live through 
from what we're exposed to as a young person, even if you bring religion into it, you're taught from a young age to sort of feel shame about certain things. And we're growing up into young adults and then fully grown adults and still carrying the shame. And then one day we really look into it and realize there's no shame in it. You know, I was potentially a child. I didn't know what I was doing or whatever the situation is. But until we afford that grace to ourselves to ask for help and not only ask for help, but accept the help, I think is crucial. And you've just shown that by being open to help, by being open to look in and back on what's happened, you're able to see what you've gained from that situation and help you to find your purpose and to be the person that you are today who's been able to help countless people. Yes, it kind of sucks being in this position because people consume what they consume and give you next to no feedback. But the reality is, is that the feedback would probably be best, best served in people's change in their attitudes towards their situation, opposed to them just giving you lip service. Yeah. And I think you are going to do massive things with the stuff you put out there, with the story that you're willing to share. And I'm grateful for people like you that are willing to go out there and just say, do you know what? This is me. This is me. This is what I've been through. I know you may not want to hear it, but if people don't hear about it, more people are going to be in that same situation. A quick little thing I'll say is I was to work in finance and this person I knew got scammed. He was so embarrassed by the scam. He told me everything about it because people openly talk to me about things. God, how weird. And he was telling me about how it worked and this, that and the rest of it. He wouldn't tell anybody about it because he was so embarrassed. He lost so much mm-hmm. money. And I said, if you don't talk to anyone about it, they will do it to someone else and they'll do it to someone else and they do it to someone else. Yeah, I hear what you're saying, but I just can't do it. So if what happened to you is not spoken about, it will happen to someone else. It will happen to someone else. It will happen to someone else. And is that fair? If we, if we love our loved ones, like we say we do, we will want to be as open and honest with them about the things that they need to be mindful of because we don't want to fall into the traps that we fell into, or at least learn from our experiences without having to go through them themselves. And I just want people to know in the day, where you are right now, no matter how you feel, whatever clouds over your head, just know that that cloud doesn't have to be entertained, doesn't have to be fed. It can disappear. You might have to do a little bit of legwork onto it, but do you know what? It's not about just running to the end. As Jill says, she does things step by step, just keeps going forward like she's done with her business and stuff like that. That's all you can do. Don't focus on the staircase, just focus on the step and you will get there eventually. If you have a deity you believe in, or you believe in luck, or you believe in whatever you believe in, just have something to hold on to. Because trust me, you are worthy of any great thing that is deserving to you. Yes, you may not feel like it right now, but your feelings don't always tell you the truth. Feelings only last for so long. Know yourself, know your worth. You are amazing. You are incredible. Jill is testament to that. She's amazing. She's also incredible. And she's gone through some stuff. She had a dark cloud over her head for many years. But look at her now. She's shining bright to the point where I feel like I need to wear sunglasses. So I wish everyone well who's listening. Come check me out on every old podcast on Instagram because I'm always out there putting some exclusive content out there. And just share this with people who you think would benefit from listening to the conversation and reach out to Jill and show her love and support. Thanks again for everyone listening. And I will see you in the next one. Oh,